Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Hello everyone, it's here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Pat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. All right, so this is the first episode that we are doing in our new studio, which we've moved downstairs to an extra bedroom. The, the pugs are down here with us, and they are freaked right the hell out. Yeah, um, there's lots to be sniffed, and um, they're doing a lot of jingling and toenail clicketing. Yeah, and snortling. And snortling. Plenty of that. So you're probably going to hear more of that during this episode than... What you would even normally hear, which is, I'm sure, a lot, especially if you've got earbuds in. Yeah, sorry about that. I saw your post the other day that pointed out that we had only 60 days until Halloween. Less than 60 days till Halloween. Yes, and only a few days until the release of the new It movie, the It Chapter 2, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, is a big deal in Bangor, Maine. Um, the the thing that I really love about this community is we really kind of rally around uh, the the strange, the the bizarre, the unexpected. That is true. Mostly and, because of Stephen King living here. Right. And, and so the last couple of days, uh, we in this great city have been waking up to find um, creepy it themed things in our in our town. Um, red balloons. There are red balloons everywhere. Yeah, tied to uh, sewer grates. You see that. But yeah. like you said, everywhere as well. And the town of Derry is based on Bangor. That's right. One of my friends posted a picture. They were driving down Central Street and there was a pair of children's galoshes just sitting on the side of the road. <laughs> Man. Ooh, that's yeah. dedication. Yeah, it really is. I love it. And with Halloween coming up, a couple of things. Uh, of course, our Halloween mini tour is going to be happening soon. Get your tickets now at theboxofoddities.com. And also, if you have a tale that you would like to share on our Halloween special, record it on your iPhone or your Android or whatever it is you have and email it to us at 
curator at theboxofoddities.com, and perhaps your story will be featured on the second annual Box of Oddities Halloween special. Yeah, Halloween lands on our regular drop day, so that's awesome. And if you are a subscriber to our premium content on the Himalaya app, you can get that Halloween episode a day early. And if I am not mistaken... You go first this episode. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Well done, madam. Yo. So for guys, it can be called aiding and abetting a known felon, um, applying the handbrake, or arguing with Henry Longfellow, among other euphemisms. For women, visiting the safety deposit box, dialing the rotary phone, or woman-splaining yourself. We're going to talk about the history of masturbation. How glorious. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting because like two days ago, I was researching the history of blowjobs. Really? So... <laughs> wow, that would have been quite an episode if you had chosen that. Been. I'm glad that uh, we're going to be breaking this one up. <clears throat> Who invented masturbation? Who was the first person to discover masturbation because... Well, I don't know if I'd want to shake their hand, but I would like to congratulate them for that. Uh, I think it was a cave person uh, doing laundry. Well, you know what? You're right on the money, which, by the way, is, is another, another euphemism. euphemism. Yeah. 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 Psychology Today, in an article that I found, says masturbation is depicted in prehistoric cave paintings. Of course it is. I did not know that. It seems like it would have to be so detailed in order for you to know what was happening. <laughs> like most cave paintings are like fish, mm -hmm. deer. Yeah. Wh Wait a minute. <laughs> How do you even know that that's what they're doing? Maybe they were just pointing to their feet. I've never seen, you know, a cave painting of somebody wanking. And um, I would have the same questions that you do. How do you know that's in fact what they're doing? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just a representation of... Antelope antlers. Yeah, who I don't know. know. Who I knows? don't know. In an Egyptian myth, the god Atom created the universe by masturbating. Oh, yeah. so that was the Big Bang? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. yeah. Yeah. There was an explosion, if you uh -oh. will. <laughs> Every year... Oh, wait. If you have kids in the car, uh, you should listen to this episode later. <laughs> the way that it's turning out, yes. <laughs> You're welcome for that warning about four minutes too late. Yep. The Egyptian god Atum created the universe by masturbating. And every year, the pharaoh of Egypt ritually masturbated into the Nile. Now, I'm wondering if this was like some kind of a, a community event, mm -hmm. like a carnival atmosphere, maybe, you know, get some fried dough, watch the uh, pharaoh beat off into the Nile. Yeah. Uh, is this over yet? This is the worst festival ever. In some traditional cultures, masturbation is a rite of passage into manhood. Although there are some groups, notably the Congo Basin. I did not know this. In the Congo Basin, uh, there are a group of people that lack a word for this activity, aren't confused by the concept. Oh. Yeah. Apparently, they don't know what it is. Um, but how? I don't know. If cavemen figured it out. Right. You know, thousands and thousands of years ago, I don't know. Now, a negative connotation is attached with masturbation, obviously, and has been forever. Some Thanks, Puritans. <laughs> some people think that it may have to do with a period in time where there was a high infant mortality. So the spilling of semen 
was perceived as unnecessary, extravagant, oh, wasteful. And, and wasteful. In the Sambia tribe in New Guinea, young men, uh, master or ejaculation is a rite of passage. Um, they cannot, or they are frowned upon for masturbating. Um, it had to be brought about by fellatio. Okay. It had to involve, you know. Another, another person. Another person. The ancient Greeks regarded masturbation as entirely normal because they're the ancient Greeks. Well, also, I mean, it is. Sure. In fact, uh, statistics say that uh, 97% of people masturbate and in in 3% are lying. That's not right. That's, that's a, not that's, true. That's a joke. Actually, uh, statistics say men between the ages of 14 and 94 in the like i think it was 93 94% uh have masturbated at least once i'm surprised it's that low yeah me too so the ancient greeks masturbation entirely normal it really was more it was considered more a province of the common man um, oh yeah the elites had a duty to further their family line mm-hmm. And also had slaves that could take care of any other relief issues that they may have. So in those days, it was looked down upon because only the poor people did it. Right. Because they were the only ones that had to. Right. I mean, still, that's, I suppose, kind of accurate. Like, I don't have a yacht, so I've got to do it myself. (laughs) (laughs) What does that have to do with having a yacht? You know, like uh, Leo and uh, and Leo's crew, they've always got ladies on the yacht. Oh, okay. I'm saying it's easier to have sex if you have money. I'm not saying it's right. I have absolutely no argument with you on that. In the medical dictionary from 1743, a physician named Robert James, who was a friend of Samuel Johnson, wrote masturbation wrote of masturbation that there is perhaps no sin productive of so many hideous consequences. <laughs> More subtly, in the Metaphysics of Morals, written in 1797, Immanuel Kant uh, argued that a man gives up his personality when he uses himself merely as a means for gratification of an animal drive. What? Yeah. In an influential treatise on education in 1762, the philosopher and romantic trailblazer Jean-Jacques Rousseau uh, advised that a tutor should not leave his pupil the slightest opportunity to engage in masturbation because it would affect their learning abilities. Oh, sure. It's kind of like when um, coaches say that you're not supposed to masturbate before a game or such nonsense. Yeah, he went on to say, watch carefully over the young man. He can protect himself from all other foes, but it is for you to protect him against himself. Never leave him night or day, or at least share his room. Never let him go to bed till he is sleepy and let him rise as soon as he wakes. If once he acquires this dangerous supplement, he is lost. <laughs> <laughs> From then on, body and soul will be enervated. He will carry to the grave the sad effects of this habit. Really? The most fatal habit which a young man can subscribe to is masturbation, according to um, this guy from the late 1700s. The most fatal habit? Yep. Wow. That's, wow, that's extreme. It's interesting, though, that Rousseau, the guy who who said this in 1782, Mm -hmm. apparently uh, 
Well, speaking from um, experience. Oh, yeah, sure. He, I've, I've heard that that tends to be the way. Yeah, he said that he learned of masturbation when he was in Italy, and it just ruined him. Apparently, he didn't learn it right. Yeah, I. a lot of times you hear that the people who speak out the most about certain quote-unquote sins mm-hmm. are those that are committing them the most themselves. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Though I do like the idea of a term for a masturbator being a friend of Samuel Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a fun name. So how did this become such an evil thing in society? Um, an anonymously written book known as the Onanya, first distributed in London in 1716, calls masturbation a heinous crime of self-pollution and warns of consequences including impotence, gonorrhea, epilepsy, and the wasting of faculties. Another book published in 1760 by Samuel August Tissett claims that semen is an essential body oil and that wasting it through masturbation would result in, quote, reduction of strength, memory, and even reason, blurred vision, all nervous disorders, all types of gout and rheumatism. Wow. And then the list goes on. And so I'm wondering if that's where the you know the coach saying hey don't do that before a big game came from Mm. i don't understand what the benefit is to a person to distribute information stating that that masturbation is harmful where where did that thought process even come from i know a lot of people just think it's ew you know and they don't want to get in on that right um I myself am a very ticklish person, uh-huh. but I am not able to. I am not able to tickle myself. Mm. Um, so you know, maybe there are just people who don't get it, and so therefore are like, "Well, you shouldn't do that because I don't like it." Okay, you know, when you're saying tickling, you mean tickling? No, like l- literally tickling. Tickling. Like yeah. I'm a very ticklish person. Oh, okay, but I'm like, "Ha ha!" I'm touching my own armpit right now, and right. nothing. It- maybe some people who are the same who. You know, in that way, in a sure. in a sexual way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those who don't, uh, who, those who just don't dig it, maybe they just because they don't like it, don't want other people to do it. Maybe that's it. Because I don't understand the logic behind saying like, oh yeah, it can make you go blind, unless there was just a chronic masturbator who also went blind. But I'm sorry, correlation does not equal causation. My mom also thinks that her TV is going bad because she's having a hard time hearing it. (laughs) And then there's this book. It's called (laughs) Le Livre Sans Titron. A book without a title is what that means. Liar. It, It was written in 1830. It gives detailed descriptions accompanied by colorful hand-drawn illustrations of the progressive physical as well as moral deterioration of the... uh, masturbator listen you can't even name your book all right i'm not gonna take advice (laughs) from you so i'm gonna read a few excerpts from this and again remember that um there are colorful (laughs) illustrations here from le livre sans titron quote he was young and handsome this is of course a translation because it was written in french of course he was young and handsome his mother's fond hope he became corrupted Soon his crime makes him old. Before his time, his back becomes hunched. My eyes are weak. My knees are bent. Wait. My knees are weak. My eyes are old and bent. 
A devouring fire burns up his entrails. He suffers from horrible stomach pains. See his eyes, once so pure, so brilliant? Their gleam is gone. A band of fire surrounds them. And again, colorful illustrations. Yes, I'm picturing. Who's the guy that got hit in the face with a duck? Fabio, and it was a goose. Yeah, I'm picturing Fabio, (laughs) but just looking like real lackluster. (laughs) Yep. He can no longer walk. His legs give way. Dreadful dreams disturb his rest. He cannot sleep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just just most people I know who have taken part in those types of activities are actually walking with a little more pep in their step. Sure. So, I, I don't know. According to this, his teeth become rotten and fall out. His chest is burning up. He coughs up blood. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, maybe he's doing it, like, too enthusiastically if he's coughing up blood. <laughs> like, something's gone wrong. Yeah. Maybe he's he's masturbating and doing meth. His hair, once so beautiful, is falling out like an old man's. Early in life, he is becoming bald. He is hungry and wants to eat. No food will stay in his stomach. His chest is buckling. He vomits blood. Wow. Yeah. Wanking will make you vomit blood, according to this guy. His entire body is covered with pustules. He is a horrible sight. Again, like, and you brought up the gonorrhea thing earlier. If there's pustules, it's because of something you've done with someone else, not because of something you're doing with yourself. No. It goes on to say a slow fever consumes him. He languishes. His entire body is burning up. His body is becoming completely stiff. His limbs stop moving. More colorful illustrations. He raves. He stiffens in anticipation of his coming death i bet he's (laughs) (laughs) he expires in horrible torments at the age of 17 bum 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 Mm -hmm. and there's the final colorful illustration panel. he had such promise he did and he masturbated it away wait here's the one where he's vomiting blood and covered with pest pustules why isn't he that's a that's really disturbing yeah i also like that he's not covered in pustules while he's vomiting up blood because that would be overdoing it yeah no it's a it's a gradual process i think Uh, probably there was just a charge for red ink so they only used so much each print I find that's probably true. I find it interesting, though, too, that in an earlier step, he loses his hair. But then when the picture of him vomiting blood, he has hair again. You know, this is very confusing. It's very confusing. Those were different times. I really like his head wrap, though. I think that I would like to start wearing head wraps like, you know, I think it was like the 20s, 30s. Head wraps became a very big thing in Hollywood. Joan Crawford. War one, yeah. Yeah. I want to look more like Joan Crawford. (laughs) As long as you only look more like her and don't act like her. Anyway, the history of masturbation. There you go. Give me a hand, everyone. I would, but I've only got one free. And now, that thing in the middle. Here are some well-known brands that began as something entirely different. I think this is fascinating. Number five. The world leader in electronics and mobile phone market, Samsung, sold noodles in its early days. It started out as a noodle company. They also traded in dried fish. 
Number four, for more than a century, the world's most recognized mobile phone manufacturer, Nokia, was just a conventional groundwood pulp mill making toilet paper. Toilet paper? The high-tech cell phones. Number three, Lamborghini, you know, the car guy, started by building oil burners and air conditioning systems and tractors. Number two, Berkshire Hathaway, of course, Warren Buffett's big company, his investment company, started out as a textile manufacturer. What do they make now? Everything. Oh. It's an investment company. He owns Geico and Fruit of the Loom and Benjamin Moore Paints and oh. Seize Candies and Pampered Chef. Jordan's Furniture, even. Wow. And number one, the world's largest video game company by revenue, Nintendo, started off as a small company producing handmade playing cards. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's 
A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We just wanted to quickly thank those of you who support the Box of Oddities on the premium channel. Yeah, it's an easy way that you can say, hey, I like this thing, and it helps us, and it feeds the dogs, and that's not to like pressure you. I mean, they get fed either way. I'm just saying it, it helps. It helps us do our thing that we do here. I don't want you to feel like we're not going to feed the dogs if you don't sign up for the premium content. That seems silly. But you do get stuff. We will feed the dogs and you will get stuff. By becoming a member of the Order of Freaks, you get uh, commercial-free episodes. You get them a day early. You get access to the back channel, the secret uh, chat room, and a bonus episode once a month. Ooh, we got to do that. That's our way of thanking you for supporting the Box of Oddities. You get a thing and we get a thing. Well, you get four things and we get one thing. That's true. For a limited time, when you use promo code ODD when you sign up, you get the first 30 days for free. Yeah, but we still get paid. So if you want to support us and not spend any money, this is a great way to do it. Plus, all the thing. Remember the thing that you get? Just go to theboxofoddities.com, click on the Go Premium button, and use promo code ODD. You're listening to The Box of Oddities. The question is... Why? All right, we uh, did an episode. Well, actually, it was the last episode. I talked about uh, stone babies. Mm. Stone babies. And, of course, that is a fetus that was um, that burst through the fallopian tube and adhered to internal organs in the, in the abdomen, but uh, then died and mm. calcified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and turned into a stone baby. Yeah. We posted a picture of a stone baby, and uh, let me see here. Oh, Randy wrote, on a weird note, that should fluoresce under UV due to the calcification. So not only is it a stone baby, it glows in the dark. I went to school with Randy. He's very smart. Do you have a story for me? Because I'm hoping you do. Otherwise, it's going to be a really short episode. (laughs) Yes, I do. Okay. So the LA Weekly newspaper 
ranked California Institute of Abnormal Arts in its Best of LA 2006 list as best place to find a dead clown. <laughs> okay. I did not realize that there was a tote board mm. involving dead clown mm-hmm. findings. Well, Los Angeles, you know? Well, sure. So the California Institute of Abnormal Arts, it, it's abbreviated as CIA. It's a nightclub. It is a sideshow museum. It's a uh, place where you can find uh, interesting vintage things, um, maybe things that have been proven to be hoaxes, uh, a lot of stuff. It's in North Hollywood. In 1994, Carl Crew and Robert Ferguson opened the CIA as a location for, like, underground bands to play their music, get their start, um, for performance artists to be able to take the stage and show people their weird shit. So it's like a Los Angeles version of uh, the old CBGBs in New York. Yeah, but creepier. They got a, a dilapidated building that used to be a recording studio in the 70s. So they started doing these shows. In the late 1990s, uh, CIA was raided by police and was shut down uh, because it had been serving liquor without a license. And uh, the venue was out of operation for three years. But Carl Crew and Robert Ferguson uh, knew that they wanted to reopen. They had befriended each other when they were both working as apprentice embalmers in a Los Angeles mortuary in the 1980s. That's the kind of bond that cannot be broken. Once you're up to your elbows and entrails with another person, then uh, friends for life, besties. Right? That is like a, a, a spit pact. What's that called? <laughs> You know, where you you mix you mix your blood and your spit yeah. with someone else's, and right. then you, yeah. I think I'm mixing up two things, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, they were tight, and so <laughs> they wanted to reopen the venue. They uh, painted with bright, garish circus colors. They decorated with vintage freak show signage. Um, vintage banners for sideshow attractions. Um, Over the years, it's featured oddities and hoaxes like the Fiji mermaid, um, the skull of the world's smallest Freemason. What? The severed head of a Sasquatch (laughs) and um, severed arm of Claude de Lorraine and a fairy skeleton. These are our people. So, As I said, it functions as a music place, a performance venue, which, as you can imagine, when you're in this kind of environment, the kind of performances that are uh, fostered here, Mm -hmm. it can get weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have offbeat and bizarre musical groups, as well as freak shows. Um, Sounds very avant-garde. Very. Uh, Puppet shows, burlesque acts. Wait, what kind of a puppet show would take place in a venue like this? It's going to be interesting. I want to see it. They also have stand-up comedy and uh, movie screenings, other sort of, you know, unusual performances. Um, Not long after they reopened, though, they acquired the item that, to this day, remains their most popular attraction. So, there it was. A chilly February evening. Mourners, curiosity seekers, and uh, full-fledged freaks, as they were called, uh, had gathered for coffee, cake, 
and a clown corpse hermetically sealed in a glass box and displayed on stage in a moldy coffin. This now, is this is a real clown corpse. That's right. This is how long it had, had it been dead. <laughs> that's we're getting. Oh there. my god! This is according to Salon.com. According to the Byzantine prayer cards that were handed out at the entrance, these are the earthly remains of one Achille Chetulu. 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 Achille Chetulu. That was beautifully done. Thank you. He was an American circus performer who died in 1912. And he asked his family that his body be forever on display in his clown attire and the makeup that he wore in life. What year was this again? Which which part? That he died. 1912. So this was the height of the touring circus in America. Mm. Wow. He was a Shriner and this was his life's work. Wait, wait. He was a Shriner clown? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that Shriners were clowns back back. Was there a Shriner circus back in 1912? I don't know. Huh. Like I said, he was committed. And his family obliged. And when he died, they kept his family prepared in this manner in their circus ranch house. Until 1996. Now, I put ranch house in quotation marks because I don't know what that means. So they just kept him at the house? No, it's like their circus house. So they didn't live there? I don't think so. It's not like a ranch style house. It's not a split level. It's like a business premises. I think so. Okay. So this clown dies and he says, I want to be put on display in my clown outfit Mm -hmm. and so his family builds some sort of a circus roadside shrine yep and then just made money off of this for decades no 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 they just kept him in this manner because that was his last wishes they did not put him on display okay very few people saw him but there was a whole separate building for him this ranch house uh, nobody lived there you said that they, they just put a dead clown in it like i said i don't know what ranch house means okay well well my question is was the structure built specifically to house the clown oh, no. corpse no no it was kind of like a back room of this thing he was very rarely visited even so, by his family he was just kind of put in a back room he was stored he was stored okay For sure. He was put in clown storage. So Carl Crew explained, uh, again, to Salon.com, this attorney friend of mine called up one day on a speakerphone with all of his lawyer pals. And he goes, Carl, how would you like to lease a dead clown? (laughs) And I started, are you kidding? Of course. Uh, All the other attorneys just roared with laughter. It took like four months to get the paperwork done. But now I have him for six months. I won't tell you how much this cost me, but it was not cheap. Yes, uh, this gorgeous clown uh, who is hermetically sealed in a glass coffin. uh, He is 
stored in such a way, not just to keep him safe from the elements, but also to keep us safe because he was embalmed with some pretty nasty chemicals like arsenic. Arsenic, yeah, that was a big thing. He was reportedly one of the last corpses prepared using gravity embalming. Okay, so that's... That's when they would hang the corpse upside down. Pretty much. And feed the arsenic in. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, they would have kind of an in and out line. Right. Uh, one line so the blood's coming out of you, the other line so that the chemicals are going into you. And you had to be propped up in such a way that your your body would... It would work as far as gravity goes. And and I ended up reading this article about a guy whose grandfather used to do these gravity embalmings, like in people's homes. Mm. And he and his co-worker would have contests to see who could let the least amount of blood drip on the floor. And that's fun. It was a good time. Um, Well, some of the early embalming tables would tilt for mm -hmm. that purpose. Yeah. Well, I remember in an episode of Dexter, uh, they had uh, Dexter on one of those tables that tilted. I miss Dexter. It was a good show. Apparently, the family of this clown knew that they weren't really doing his bidding because no one was really seeing him. Mm-hmm. And so they decided that they would get him out there. Okay. Uh, do some socializing. Sure. And so they were happy to do that. And then... Uh, the CIA got this clown, and it was great, and he, they leased him for six months. But Carl Crew uh, said that even though that lease started in 2002, the owners have yet to contact him about retrieving the body. Still to this day? Still to this it's day. It's still there? Is he still making payments? That's, that is, I think he leased it for six months just End of story. One lump sum and for six months. he reported that they have forgotten to retrieve him and that that is where... All right. So, uh, so he hasn't been making easy uh, monthly installments. I don't uh, think it's like a rent-a-center kind of situation. Rent-a-dead clown? Uh, yeah, no. It'd be cool if there was, like, you know, go to rent-a-center, you know, rent a big screen TV and a dead clown. Rent-to-own. So it's still there right now. That's the word. When is the next flight to L.A.? Mm-hmm. So that is the uh, story of Achille Chatelier. Uh, I want to go see this. This is amazing. Holy shit. I know. Apparently gravity and balmy oh, works. My God. So he's been dead over 100 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. How amazing is that, right? I'm absolutely going to post that photo because that photo is why this story is so amazing to me. The way that his body has held up and uh, the fact that I think it's kind of sweet that he gets to be the center of attention at this place. And even though it is kind of one of those curiosity, morbid things, it's also what he wanted. And he looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I want to go. Also, his clown name was supposedly the French Tickler. <laughs> really? Wow. This is getting more fascinating by the moment. 
So can we go see the dead French tickler? I don't see why not. Okay. It seems like a very interesting place. Well, we're going to be in San Francisco for a live show in October. Can we zippy zip down to L.A. and see the French tickler uh, dead clown guy? I have no concept of how far those two cities are apart. So I'm going to say yes. Commuter flight. We could do, you know, quick down and back. But Sounds totally reasonable. Okay, good. And if you want to get tickets to our San Francisco show or any of the other live shows, Boston, Charlotte, Nashville, and very soon tickets will go on sale for Washington, D.C., you can visit our website. TheBoxOfOddities.com Look for us a couple of times a week on your phone on Mondays and Thursdays, unless, you know, you're a premium subscriber, then you get it a day early. And we look forward to seeing you on Monday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast On Twitter at Box of Oddities And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast Copyright 2019 All rights reserved If you like this podcast Can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts And its name tells part of the story the big picture questions, and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.